All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena and you, you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win. It's downtown, breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Check good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is the Impact E-Zone, with your host, Andrew Hayes. Hello, and welcome to the Impact E-Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes, your host. Back again. I think this is the first time in I don't know how long we've done two weeks in a row. Or, yeah, two weeks in a row. I say we because I am here, as always, with Brit Blake Froling. What's up, Blake? Well, Andrew, it's kind of early in the morning, but, you know, I'd rather be doing nothing else but this at uh, 10.06 a.m. This is this is definitely a change of pace for us. It's a different type of early morning. Usually we're in the the wee hours of the morning, the, right. the 12 a.m.s, the 1 a.m.s. But today we got up, had our coffee, splashed some water on our faces, and got in here bright and early to get it done. Because that's what we do. We get stuff done. So first thing we're going to talk about this week. Um, this is something that I missed over the summer because uh, my following of basketball and all things um, round ball were a little um, lackadaisical, if, if I can put it lightly. Um, but Michigan State schedule, uh, the Michigan State television schedule came out this week. Um, the schedule uh, schedule of who Michigan State was playing was already out, but um, now we know approximately when uh, and on what channels we will be able to watch Michigan State basketball this year. Um, what's what jumps out at you, Blake Froling? Well, right away uh, in early November, you have to uh, have the uh, tournament in Indianapolis, the Champions Classic, starting off against Duke. Uh, that's a tough matchup right away after um, easy warm-ups against the Masters College and St. Cloud State in the exhibition. So The Masters College, new home of the legend, Russell Byrd. Right. We we hope he drops 50 on us. <laughs> but that's kind of a, an early test for a young team that won't have too much experience with a lot of freshmen probably going to get some playing time early. Uh, and also, just right even before that, Navy at Navy. That's also an interesting matchup. Don't really see too many big teams like us going on uh, true road games that early. Yeah, not too many. I don't remember the last time Michigan State played a service school either, so that will be interesting. Uh, My favorite thing about this is uh, Michigan State plays, what, two afternoon games? Is that it? Really? They've got a one P or no, they've got two, and they're back-to-back. They play Michigan at 1 p.m. February 1st, and then Illinois at noon on February 7th. We harped on this a lot last year. Um, Michigan State flat out stunk um, against mm-hmm. opponents when they had to play in the afternoon, um, especially those Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon games. Um, it was bad. It was, I don't know what happened. Um, but they always came out flat, and uh, and it was really frustrating because, first of all, 
covering those day basketball j- games just is not fun uh, because you gotta you know gotta get there at like noon. You gotta it you it basically just takes a whole chunk out of the middle of your day, and uh, and that's not great. But uh, yeah, let's see. How did Michigan State do in those? Uh, these don't have times on them. Um, well, you got to think back. There was the Georgetown loss in the Madison right. Square Garden. That was an afternoon game. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin. That was also a loss at Wisconsin in the afternoon um, against Nebraska. That was an afternoon game that we lost. Um, I believe Illinois as well. I was about to say. I'm pretty sure that Illinois game was a was a day game. And those also. last two were at home as well. So yep. that was even bigger. Another topic that we talked about, how MSU always seemed to come out a little bit flat at home, which should be completely the opposite, including that loss to Michigan as well, even though that wasn't in the afternoon. Yeah, I I can't figure it out. I don't know. One thing, I've been talking to some people that aren't really, they don't, they aren't affiliated with the team, um, but they cover the team for other uh outlets and one thing that i've noticed a lot of people have been saying recently is just kind of the laid-back attitude from last year and i don't know i mean i definitely don't think uh that team i don't think they were lazy i don't think they don't love basketball i think last year that team just expected a lot from themselves um and they weren't necessarily prepared to come out firing every day and and I think we talked about this a lot last season with it kind of looked like they were just planning on relying on their talent and people expecting them to win and hoping that that would present or no expecting that to result in a victory um, I don't know. Am I am I going too far with that? Well, I think another thing that that definitely hurt them was they didn't have a true leader in the locker room to get these guys fired up. You know, in years past, you've had someone like a Draymond Green that would get in your face, no matter who you were. If you were a walk on, if you were, or if you were the best player on the team, he'd get in your face and get you ready for the game. But this last season, there were there was no captain. And there was no true leader on the team to get everybody fired up. You thought maybe a Keith Appling would eventually step into that role, but maybe he was a bit too quiet. Same with Adrian Payne. And nobody really could take that place of a, a firebrand leader that would get you ready and get in your face. And I think that definitely hurt them. Yeah, that was... And once again, I feel like we're doing a lot of recapping right now or repeating stuff that we've talked about in the past, but it's good to touch on it again because I don't know. We've spent some time on this, and I think over this, I think it was this summer I predicted that uh, Travis Trice and Denzel Valentine would be co-captains this year, which I still stand by. I, I don't think, I think those two are some of the smartest basketball players, especially Travis Trice, and I've talked about this a million times. I love watching Travis Trice play basketball. His jump shot's fun to watch. Um, he knows how to play within his means, um, 
which makes it sound like he's not very good. No, I mean he's not very tall. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's not he's not a huge, crazy physical specimen like a Gary Harris or I think even Keith Appling had a little bit more. Keith Appling was longer, I think. He played bigger than that six one six two um, size. But uh, do you think? I don't think Izzo would have named them captains last year, but do you think that that should have been their opportunity last year with um, kind of knowing that they were about to take the reins? And I and I don't think that's um, that's out of bounds because I mean you knew Payne's gone, Harris unless something crazy had happened last year, he was gone. Um, same for Appling, because he was a senior. But, um, yeah, do you think that Trice and Valentine should have just been, just stepped up and said, okay, I understand it's fine, Gary, Adrian, um, Keith, not real vocal guys, and that's fine. I'm not begrudging them for that at all. It's not... It's not becoming to some people. However, um, do you think that someone, one of the underclassmen, ideally uh, Valentine or um, Trice, do you think they should have stepped up and kind of just been that fire and that uh, vocal, you know, let's go rah-rah type? Well, it we're not in the locker room every day, so we don't know all right. of the player dynamics. It's tough to tell, but I don't, I don't really see. First of all, Travis Trice is too much of a vocal guy himself. He always seems kind of reserved on the court, not too flashy or anything. So I can't really see him getting in the face of an Adrian Payne or a Gary Harris. He seemed like more of a like a thoughtful guy, uh, methodic. Didn't really. Like he was, he wasn't too fiery. You know, not saying he wasn't passionate about it, but he just didn't seem like a guy that would step up and try to kind of surpass his, the seniors and the the guys that were the so-called stars of the team. I don't really think I could see that happening. And with Denzel Valentine, it seemed like him and Coach Izzo weren't always on the same page, to put it lightly. Especially towards the beginning of the season, where yeah. he had a couple of rough games had problems with turnovers, so I don't really think uh, Coach Izzo thought he was ready to take over the reins. I know in the back of his mind he probably thought, okay, next year we're going to need him to take over the reins, so I'm going to I'm gonna handle it so he's ready for it. But I don't think either one of them are really ready to be that vocal guy in the locker room. I think it had to be a Keith Appling or an Adrian Payne. Even though they weren't vocal guys, they needed to be able to step up and fill that role, and that was something that the team was certainly lacking last year. See, I, I think, like I said, I, th- I don't think you can have somebody, you know, even if they are, just because they're older, just because they're more experienced, I don't think that necessarily makes them the automatic, they have to be the ones hooting and hollering. You know what I mean? Because I think it was that way for Draymond Green. I feel like even before his senior year, he was the guy who was willing to, you know, tell the older guys, hey, this is what needs to happen. This is what you need to do. Things like that. And you would see it on the court. And I, and I base my locker room um, 
exchanges or my locker room interactions amongst teammates, I I assume that what goes on on the court is is similar to what goes on off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so I th- and and I understand what you're saying with it. It is you know we don't know the team dynamic. Maybe it would have been a huge deal to Gary and Keith and um, and Adrian if. Denzel Valentine or Travis Trice had decided to step up and you know be that um, that kind of fire type, um, but it it's I mean it's too late now. We can we can speculate all we want, but um, I I hesitate to say that I think not having a captain last year hurt that team because I think if there had been a captain, it would have been a reluctant one, if that makes sense. I don't think anybody on that team wanted to stand out. I think they were content with um, just doing what they do and just kind of keeping their heads down and not being real big and crazy about it. Um, But I also think that's what Izzo himself thought as well which is why he didn't name a captain at the beginning of the year and I'm sure his thought process was hopefully one of these guys at least one of these guys will step up throughout the season and kind of organically become the unofficial captain because he knew there wasn't you know a strong leadership presence on the team and he was hoping that throughout the season maybe something would develop but it just really didn't honestly nobody was really able to step up and take that one role yeah it's it's such a tough thing, and I mean, sports psychology is is impossible to understand. I mean, the minds of of athletes and just psychology in general is is nuts. Um, it'll make you make you nauseous. But uh, yeah, I like I said, I think it would have been a reluctant um, a reluctant captain if there had been one last year, but. I would be interested to know how any captain would have, because ideally, yes, and uh, somebody's just going to step up and and say, "All right, I got this. Let's go, boys." But that doesn't happen all the time, and especially with the personalities on that team last year, and the you know the older guys being not so vocal and. I just think something somebody had to step up and when nobody did I think it would have been an excellent opportunity for Izzo to just say okay listen I know that you can do it I know that you can do it I'm going to make you co-captains you know if this doesn't work we'll fix it but for now this is the way it goes because just cuz you throw a C on somebody's chest and you're not even actually putting it on the chest anymore once you do that, that's not set in stone. You know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. say, okay, well, that's not working, so let's take that back. And you worry about things like the embarrassment of it and whatever we're going to talk about here in, in the basement of a, a dormitory. But, you know, in the long run, does it really matter? I like to think no, but are, are athletes that fragile? I think I don't think they're fragile, but I think it certainly sticks out in their mind because 
when you lose that C, you definitely lose a little bit of the respect of your teammates, and that could mean a whole lot more than we think it does because we're not there day in, day out with those guys and in that team. You know, that's that's a huge responsibility when you get that, that C on your chest, and it's it's a big thing to live up to. You have a lot of expectations after that. Well, see, and, that's, and it's for that reason that I think by putting that, by telling some, just naming a captain, and obviously not arbitrarily, but by just naming a captain last year, I think that would have caused somebody, whoever it would have been, to rise to that occasion because of that pressure and because mm-hmm. of that, okay, my coach has put his faith in me. My teammates have put their faith in me. They think that I'm the right guy for this role. I'm going to do whatever it takes to prove that this was the right choice. That's the way my brain works. However, that is not a <laughs> that is not necessarily indicative of the way that everyone's brains work. And I'm not saying that my way is right. I'm not saying that any other way is wrong. I'm just saying that that's what makes sense to me. That's the way that it would go. And uh, I don't know. What do you think? I think Izzo had a grand scheme in his head, and he was not going to let us know what was going on. I think, I think he was just waiting for somebody, and I don't think he should have waited too long. But maybe he thought halfway through the season, would it be too late to name a captain? Would it be... Would it really kind of change the whole psyche of the team? Was he worried that he would ruin a a bad a good thing going? Yeah, I I think the only kind of happy medium there that that could have arisen is if if Izzo had because he didn't want to name a captain at the beginning of the year, and he kind of poo pooed any uh, any questions about it because you could tell he just didn't want to deal with it. It was just kind mm-hmm. of an arbitrary thing and not something. Um, but uh, where was I going with that? Oh, so I think the uh, the other option would have been don't name a captain for the non-conference. Once Big Ten play starts, bring somebody in, you know, whoever has, has been that vocal leader, whoever who – Whichever player has shown that they are willing to step up. And even if nobody has necessarily been that out loud, you know, getting the guys going, getting them right, um, you're still going to have somebody that was better than the rest, and hopefully that they can take that and build on that in the conference play. So I don't know. It's it's a whole big mess, and, and we're just kind of playing the what-if game mm-hmm. at this point. But that's what we do. We that's our jobs. <laughs> that's that's the best we got. Um, so one thing that I want to move on to here, um, with, we had a, uh, a little staff meeting this week with some of our bosses. And, uh, and one thing that, that I realized I have, I have not worried enough about this here because I'm so as as important as it is that I uh, remain journalistically um, uninvolved with with Michigan State basketball, which is pretty much impossible for me. But I try my very best, especially at games. We've chronicled my my fits that I have trying not to scream and yell on press <laughs> row, um, but. Uh, one thing that that is is concerning, I mean, there's a lot of concerns for for this team. Don't get me wrong, but uh, 
what's what's going to happen in the front court? Because Michigan State lost probably, I don't know, would you say the most versatile big man that they've had since Draymond? I'd definitely say that. I mean, you could say that they were, I would say Payne was a little bit longer than Draymond, right. but still I think he've, he was definitely the most versatile since Draymond, maybe even better possibly he he shot the three a little bit better but he was still dominant in the paint we saw especially towards the end of the season they just keep feeding him the ball in the post and he'd just go to town on all those uh, all those big guys exactly yeah i i don't think i don't think you can say one's better than the other because i think it's very much an apples and oranges type of thing mm-hmm. Payne was a great great postman when he wanted to be and you can argue that if you want but the fact of the matter was Payne kind of decided he didn't want to play in the paint some games. Mm-hmm. Um, great big man. And then Draymond Green was just a 6'8 point guard, basically. I mean, he... And I wonder... I, I, he has to have slimmed down since he was at Michigan State. Watching him play for Golden State now, he looks a heck of a lot slimmer. So that would have been sweet if he would have been that size while at State, because he could have done some crazy stuff at mm-hmm. 6'8", his ability to distribute the ball. Um, but anyway, uh, lost Adrian Payne. We've got Matt, please look at the basket, please look at the basket, please look at the basket, <laughs> Costello. And um, Gavin, just slow down chilling. Will... Matt Costello look at the basket, and will Gavin Schilling take a deep breath and say, I'm very good at basketball, I can do this, just catch it? I think, let's start with Matt Costello here. We can go back to the Iowa game last year when Payne was out. Probably one of the most maddening games I've ever had to watch because (laughs) Matt Costello could have gone for at least 20 points in that game. But every time he got the ball in the paint, with either a smaller defender on him or basically no one around him, he looked like he was just a deer in the headlights out there. He didn't know what to do. He was so used to having the other guys down there, you know, Payne and even Brandon Dawson, that he wasn't used to being the primary big man down low. And I think Izzo has to sit him down and say, Matt, we need you to be the dominant big man. Be aggressive. Don't worry about... Be aggressive. Yes, exactly. That's that's exactly what Izzo is going to do. And he needs to drive home the point, especially maybe he was afraid that he didn't want to take away shots from Harris or Appling, but he's got to learn to be aggressive and assert himself in the paint and maybe try to put up a layup once in a while. And if he doesn't do that, this team is in a lot of trouble because he's their only... True big man. Uh, Brandon Dawson plays in the paint as well, but he's only 6'6". There's only so much he can do in the post. And especially if he's trying to develop an outside jump shot, which I pray he is. We don't know what his summer routine is, but I hope he's just been taking jumpers all summer. But I think Matt Costello certainly has to get more aggressive, like a hundred times more aggressive because you can't put that weight on one of the freshmen or on Gavin Schilling. You need Matt Costello to be that primary big man. And moving on to Gavin Schilling, he's got to learn that he's going to get a bigger role in this system as well now, a lot bigger, especially with Kenny Kaminsky gone. Not that he was a, a dominating post presence, but he was still size. 
And now you have Gavin Schilling, who's just got to take a deep breath when he gets on the court. Don't panic. Don't lose your mind when you get the ball. Just let the game slow down for him, which I think it will because this is the second year. He's been through it all. Just let it come to you. Play within yourself. And, you know, rely on your teammates as well. Don't don't think you're on an island. Just Just let the game come to you. And I think that'll certainly help him out. All right, so we just broke down a lot right there. I should really break up these questions. Um, but, okay, I'll start with Matt Costello as well. Um, I think he can have a big year because um, I think he's sneaky good on offense. But it's just and, – and I do think that he will be more assertive because there's no reason for him not to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean Brandon Dawson, yes, going to be awesome. And I keep having to remind myself, I know I said this last week, but I literally forget every single week that Brandon Dawson is still <laughs> coming back and playing basketball at Michigan State because it's so awesome. And I, like I said, approaching Aaron Kraft territory, but... Uh, He'll have to stay in school for about five more years for exactly, that Exactly, yeah. He's got to get his doctorate and probably like four other degrees mm-hmm. just to start to match Aaron Kraft. But... Um. Yeah, I think Costello will be more effective this year. I, I think he's gonna finally say, okay, I can be a double double guy every night because I don't think that's a stretch for him. Mm-mm. He's I got mean, sneaky athleticism. I exactly. Think. Last year he averaged four points a game, three point three rebounds a game, and almost an assist a game, which is really just kind of a pedestrian stat line. Especially considering he, well, I guess he didn't really eat up the minutes. He averaged about 15 minutes a game. So that's that's kind of a, that's definitely a backup role. Um, but, you know, we would see things, we would see flashes. And that's what I'm looking for. Just something to to hold me over and say, okay, we're good. It's <laughs> It's going to be fine. We're Everyone relax. But I I just I don't know. It still scares me. I I have faith and I you know, like I said, I think Matt Costello knows how to do it because we've seen him do it when he he thinks he can. And that's the <laughs> biggest thing. And I have a feeling that um that they, that's what they've been telling him. Is you know go to the hoop, score whenever you can. Try to be, try to be AP again. Only don't shoot three pointers. That's no. he took one of those last year, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was no good. Um, and then for Gavin, like I said, he just needs to slow down. He's gonna be just fine. He's a big dude. He's physically he's crazy. Um, just a, a massive, massive individual. And we're kind of blowing off some of our our incoming freshmen. Um, Kenny Goins, 6'6", I don't think he'll be so much of a big man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Marvin Clark, I've seen the dude in person, and he, uh, it's so tough to tell 
Like six six in real life is huge, and then mm-hmm. I see it on paper. I'm like, eh, it's it's only kind of. <laughs> but I swear to God, that guy was like seven foot four standing <laughs> next to him. Um, so I I don't know. Hopefully, some of the uh, the freshmen and transfers can uh, can step up. Um, obviously, Bryn Forbes not going to make a whole lot of racket down in the paint being six three. No, he's more of a shooter. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, I think, I I find the big man to be such a big role, and as important as it is for, um, for, for production from your backcourt, getting your guards you know open looks and getting them the ability to move the ball around, I think so much more offense can be run through the post, because you get that defense to collapse, kick it back out, things like that. I think that is so massive, and having big men that, I think I've said this in the past, not necessarily that are going to be great post players, but just respectable. And when you want to go to them, you can at least run something out of it. And if a team starts to just play the kick out, then you have a guy that can take one-on-one Go up, make a move, draw a foul, do something. Right, but that's the key: is making him a respectable option for the defense right. to have to think about. I think at the beginning of the season, uh, not many teams are really going to give these guys respect down low, and they're probably going to play him one on one and play him soft and watch the perimeter. So I think these guys really have to they have to establish early that they can be a dominant post presence when they need to be. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely I think that's a bigger question. I think that's the biggest question mark for this team is that post play. And people would point to Brandon Dawson and say, "No, no, no, it's going to be fine. Brandon Dawson should not be the main the main post player. Mm-mm. He can play the post very well. And and especially for somebody who's 6'6", which like I said, that is a massive individual, but in the realm of basketball it's just not so big because people are seven foot four for real in mm-hmm. uh ncaa um all right so we got a couple more minutes here uh before we finish up and as per usual we have something that doesn't have anything to do with college basketball but um it's something that I want to talk about, and uh, I have the microphone in front of my face, so I get to talk about it. Um, however, in an attempt to make this more impact is uh my brilliant co-host, Blake Froling, has uh, created the What Would Izzo Do segment. Blake, I will allow you to explain it since you came up with the name. Well, Andrew, you are always prone to these uh, rants that are entertaining. Don't get me wrong. They're entertaining rants, but most of the time they have absolutely nothing to do with Impact is own or men's basketball. That is correct. So in an attempt, like you said, to make it more Impact is only, we have made it What Would Izzo Do? And the premise is we take an issue or a scandal from popular sports, any sport, any level, this week, and we think about it in the way of how would Izzo handle it? 
So, for example, this week, I know you're going to talk about the Jameis Winston incident, and we're going to make it into a how would Coach Izzo handle the Jameis Winston incident. So, Andrew, why don't you take it away? Okay. I'm going to try to keep my voice down for this, but this entire Jameis Winston thing has been the absolutely most infuriating thing that I have ever watched transpire in my entire life. There are a lot of things that are going on in sports right now that are deeply upsetting and st- and things that people should actually be outraged and upset about. Now, if you don't know what happened in the Jameis Winston case and you don't know what he said, um, go look because I can't tell you what he said. Like, And that's, uh, first of all, I want to talk about that for just half a second. I think it's hilarious that you can't even come close to saying what he said on any no. type of print broadcast, no. anything like that. And I think that's just the funniest thing because people who don't know like what he said or what it's from are probably like, well, I wonder what. Oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe he said that. Um, okay, so what he said, first of all, very popular Internet meme. I heard it uh, screamed outside uh, um, Brody the other day. That was pleasant. Um, so that's like a pretty popular thing kind of played out at this point really i'd say so, so i think if anything people should be upset that he's three months late <laughs> on this but um first of all i'll get to my what would Izzo do part Izzo probably would have suspended the kid back when he got accused of sexual assault Izzo probably would have put him on indefinite suspension after he got caught stealing crab legs Mm -hmm. when this rolled around Izzo would have cut him from the team you think he would have cut him for the team for saying that yes and this is this is why I say that first of all I think if you take care of those first two issues right away this type of stuff doesn't happen Mm -hmm. because then Jameis Winston says oh when I screw up my team gets mad at me, which means I can't play football, which means I'm not going to be able to make money in the in the NFL. Things like that. So as, as silly as it seems that it should require the school to say, hey, you screwed up, here's your punishment, learn from it, rather than him just saying, wow, I really didn't like having people think that I sexually assaulted a girl. Uh, I really don't... Th- like that people think I stole stuff. I'm just going to not do things that make people think that I'm a bad person anymore. That would be the way that I would like to go. However, that's apparently not the way that it works. So something had to be done, whether it be the theft, whether it be the sexual assault. And I know that the sexual assault claim was, you know, he was... uh, Exonerated. Exonerated, I guess. Because they didn't they didn't even take that case to trial, Mm-mm. right? They just said not enough evidence. Right. Sorry. Um you're good to go. But even still, something weird happened there. Something wrong happened. So let's just say Okay, for that we sit him for the first half of whatever game. And then Maybe the crab legs thing rolls around. You're suspended for two games. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it seems arbitrary. Oh, we just stole crab legs. 
Well, yeah, he just stole crab legs, but this is the second time that he screwed up. This is the second time that he's making himself look bad and making Florida State look bad. You have to take care of things like that when they arise. And when you don't, that's when you end up with stuff like this, and you end up with things like... It's such a ridiculous, ridiculous thing that they suspend him for this. Right, after all the things that they could have suspended him for, this is what they nail him for. Right. And I understand that it's because he's a repeat offender, but this offender has never been punished before this. So why is it now? Is it just because it was the third strike? It didn't matter what he did next. He could have, I don't know, how are, how minuscule can we get? Let's say he gets a speeding ticket. If he had gotten a speeding ticket, is he missing the first half of this mm, game? No. Because that's what I see this as. It's, like, I mean... Kids do this. This is like the least thing. And for football, getting suspended for the first half, is that really going to make that big of a difference? We had the same thing with Johnny Football last year where he got suspended for the first half for maybe signing autographs for money. So I don't know if this is going to even like really have that big of an effect on him. I think it's the players on the team around him that have to say, hey, Jameis, you're the best player on this team. We need you out there all the time. We are going to, you know, beat the crap out of you if you can't stay on the field and keep your head straight. And if he does make the NFL, this behavior is just going to get absolutely crushed out easily early, and he's got to learn to stop it. All right. Now that you've mentioned NFL and I've done my what would Izzone do duties, what would Izzo do, I guess? The Izzone would probably, I don't know, laugh. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the thing is like the whole the whole situation is just so weird because you had people who were in the cafeteria who saw it and then they tweeted out, you know, ha, this was funny and then like that's what blew up and then people were mad at those kids. Those kids didn't think that this is what was going to happen. No. <laughs> they thought okay, it was funny that Jameis Winston said what he said. Um but I was watching NFL live yesterday. Yeah. And Mel Kuyper came on the TV, which got me angry right away because I find him <laughs> awful to listen and look at. Um, and he said Jameis Winston went from number three or four on his draft board to 25. What? Because of this. Uh, why? That doesn't make any sense. He just... This is like the thing that out of all the things that he's he's done this would be the one thing that i honestly wouldn't be too mad about if i was the coach i mean kids do this all the time the only reason they heard about it was because people were tweeting about it thinking it was funny it's it's i mean it's it would have been i think it would have come out uh, probably not without twitter but somebody would have said something the thing that blows my mind and this this sounds like I'm just harping on the same thing. And I understand that all of this is is all just repeat offense stuff. It's all because he's done other things before. But he has done way worse things. And the NFL was just going to say, oh, you steal stuff. Nah, it's cool. Oh, you might have done, you were put in a rather precarious situation with a female. Nah, we'll let that one go. Wait, you said what? Something that literally thousands of dumb people have have yelled 
in one situation or another. And I'm sure you've never yelled it. Um, not in a public setting. Maybe as I think it probably last week during the uh, the Bears game against mm-hmm. the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I might have yelled it then during the second okay. half because uh-huh. I was just so fired up uh-huh. for that game. Um, but going back to it, it's it's insane the way that we prioritize things. And and maybe I'm looking at this wrong. Maybe I'm looking at it as everything that an athlete does is fine until he does it too many times. Maybe that's what we've got going on here. But the way that I see it is it should not be a summation of things. It should be each individual offense should be judged as, you know, as for as bad as it is and for as bad as it looks. And, you know, if we want to give him a free pass on the first one, the sexual assault, okay. But that wasn't even his first deal. What was it? He had like a disorderly conduct in early 2012 or something like that. I don't know. I I don't follow Jameis Winston in Florida State football religiously, obviously. Um, but just let's let's try to take care of it right away and don't say and I don't care that he's a star player I understand that this is you know it makes it difficult because boosters are going to get mad and things like that there's money flying around everywhere behind all of this and that you can I can make this you can change the names and apply all of this to the NFL it's all the same deal Mm -hmm. and Really, I'm going to jump up on my soapbox to end the show here. It shows how little morality actually exists in the world. Because you look at this and you say, nobody really cares what he said. The school isn't really offended. The, the school doesn't care who he offended. The school knows that some people got outraged they had to do something to appease the media and appease the talk show hosts and appease the columnists who are going to pick and just be angry because when they wake up in the morning, they need to find something to be angry about. When do we get to the point that everything isn't an issue? Teams make the right decision because it's the right decision, not because they're worried about um, sponsors or... um, the fans do things because it's the right thing to do and you will never ever have a problem with your sponsors with your fans any rational fan right now says adrian peterson cannot play it stinks it's it is a terrible situation but you know what he did it to himself and he put himself in this spot and no matter how many losses it means no matter how many fans aren't going to come to the games because Jameis Winston isn't playing or your star player isn't playing. It doesn't matter because if an organization does the right thing, enough people are going to take a step back after the initial shock of, well, we're going to lose a lot of games now. Once they step back and say, okay, well, given the situation, this is what had to be done. You're never going to have a problem as an organization. Your bottom line will never be affected. Things like that, you know, just 
the the thin skin of these teams and the fact that you know one Twitter hashtag can blow up a company it's insane and I don't understand why Twitter has to be the moral compass for these teams but that's the way that it seems to be and it is horrifying that that is actually what goes on got anything on that well I think when you talked about Adrian Peterson the team only held him out of the games for two reasons. I think one because of the Ray Rice scandal. They did not want to get destroyed oh, 100%. like that. I saw this uh, I don't want to interrupt you, but I saw it a couple weeks ago online and it somebody said if if in any other week other than Ray Rice scandal week, Adrian Peterson plays last week. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. But anyway, you were saying. And the second reason Adrian Peterson was put on indefinite whatever was because Radisson, one of their biggest sponsors, backed out after mm-hmm. they heard that they reactivated Adrian Peterson. Then they're like, whoa, 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 we're going to be losing a ton of money here. That's when that's what gets their attention. And it's sad that it takes that, after everything that's been going on in the NFL, that it takes that for them to be like, okay, maybe we shouldn't play him this week. Maybe we should hold them out because it's the right thing to do, but we're only going to do it because it hurts our bottom line if we don't. And, yeah, it's, I don't think they really care about morals at all. There are, there are convicted felons in the NFL right now that are playing. Kind of, it's, it, it happens all the time. And only when the media gets a hold of it or when it affects their bottom line is when they're going to do something about it. And it's just wrong. What was I going to say? Um, I think it was something along, along the lines of, oh, it was about, yeah, Radisson. Radisson didn't even pull their sponsorship. And that's the other thing, is even the, even the people who are supposedly making moves to make this stuff go, you know, to make teams make the right decisions, they're still going in half, you know, they're not going, they're not going all the way with this. They are, Radisson suspended its... Oh, they they said we are going to see how the situation progresses, and Anheuser Busch released mm-hmm. a very strongly worded statement that saying that the NFL will not or has not done enough and blah blah blah. Yet I saw a Bud Light commercial last night during the the Thursday night game, so it's. I I just what I hope I just don't want anybody to buy this. I don't think we can change it. I don't think it's I don't think we're ever going to get a heartfelt statement from any of these teams because if Adrian Peterson is a second string running back, he's cut a week ago. And nobody cares. And nobody cares. But because he's a star player and blah 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 blah. I'm not going to go into it anymore cuz I'm getting riled up and it's too early in the morning for this. <laughs> But, uh, well, it's the end of the show, so now we're going to plug our Twitters as per usual, and I should have done that at the top of the show, like we said last week. Mm -hmm. But now we do it. Follow me on Twitter at IsOwnHaze22. Follow Blake Froling on Twitter at BFroling. Take a look at my new Twitter avatar. It's a Simpsons version of Smoking Jay Cutler, and I love it. Um, That's all we got for this week. Hopefully we'll uh, 
We'll stay a little bit on topic next week. Highly unlikely because I'm sure no. something other, some other stupid thing is going to happen in the NFL this week or somewhere that people are going to have to get angry about. And then I'm going to have to get angry mm-hmm. about people getting angry. And it's a vicious cycle and I'm sick of it. But anyway, thanks for listening to the Impact Zone. We'll be back next week. Uh, tweet us questions, please. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want to know about... Um, we got some stuff in the works. Hopefully you're going to like it. Once again, thank you for listening. My name is Andrew with Blake Froling, and as always, go green.